One way to approach any kind of tantruming behavior is to decide, you know what, in our family, this is okay. It's an okay way to express frustration or anger, but we need to put some context around it. So for instance, you know, that's okay, but you need to do it in your room or you're allowed to get angry and yell and be frustrated, but we're not going to do that in a public place. So if it happens in the store, we're going to step out and go to the car. So that's one way. Some families want to say, you know, I want to leave room for that behavior, but I got to put some scaffolding around it. And for other families, they might want to say, you know, actually, we want to teach a different response to when a child, say, doesn't get their way, for example, or when they're upset. And so we're actually going to say the tantruming behavior in itself is not okay. And then when we see it, we need to set up some parameters for whether we're levying consequences or working with positive reinforcement when it doesn't happen and all of that. Welcome to Raising Adults, the groundbreaking parenting podcast that starts with the end in mind. We're your co-hosts, Dina Thayer and Kira Dorian. We created future-focused parenting to take families from surviving to thriving. So join us as we help you stop raising kids and start raising adults. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raising Adults. Kira and Dina here with you today and tackling an important topic, but what's extra fun is that our guest today is actually a fellow future-focused parent, and so we're going to get to do our second on-air coaching call, and so we have Tony with us today. Tony, can you say hello? Hey, everybody. How are you doing, Dina? How are you doing, Kira? So this is awesome. Tony is a, a client of ours, and he has been a longtime supporter of the show and of our work. And he's also in the trenches along with you parents and and raising his kids and working through you know the issues that crop up for him. And so we're going to chat with him today about, I'm sure, something that pretty much everyone has faced. I think it's fairly ubiquitous, and that is tantrums or that kind of behavior where so-called throwing a fit or really flying off the handle. And I think all of us at one time or another have seen our child maybe lose control of their emotions and not handle it in the best way. So we're going to talk through that, but we'll let Tony share really more what the situation looks like in his home. But our hope is we're going to give you some, some good overarching principles that for those of you listening might apply to you as well. So Tony, maybe you can start by just introducing yourself a little bit and your family. And you know what else Kira and I would love is if you could tell our FFPs about your experience with parent coaching and how that's been helpful to you so far and why you wanted to come on today and do a little more of it. Sure. Um, well, as, you, as I mentioned, my name is Tony. I have two girls. I have a 10-year-old and 8-year-old um, who are completely over this quarantine, by the way. Um, <laughs> Um, and, you know, parent coaching, at least my, my start with FFP was through the uh, March Madness um, that you guys did on Facebook. And I joined that group. And that was just amazing because, um, you know, obviously I got to see, um, you know, I got to talk with a lot of other parents who were just, you know, it, it's great when you know you're not alone and you're going through the same problems as everyone else. Um, and then I continued on. We did a follow on um, after that, um, which I also um, joined in on. And that was, again, just more... Um, I think, I think Dina, you called it peeling back the onion, right? So really digging into the kind of at keep asking the why question, right? So this behavior is happening. Well, why? Well, because of this, well, why? And then eventually you get down to the root of really what was going on. And so I think that level that added to my self-awareness to really help me look at, you know, how am I contributing to a lot of these problems? Because I think I know initially 
four years ago when, you know, when I had my first kind of counseling session, you know, I think as a lot of parents, we take our kids in and go, our kids are broken, fix them for us, you know? And what you really find out is it's really you as the parent and how you interact and, and the boundaries you don't set and just things that you aren't doing. And so um, I really enjoy, believe it or not, I actually enjoy hearing that and seeing where I need to improve. Um, and I love just, you know, how you guys are so open and vulnerable and, it, and it's not, it doesn't seem like a, a, a rule book of, okay, here's your problem. Let me go through the encyclopedia. Oh, okay. Here's the problem. Here's what you do to fix it. Right. It's, you guys understand that every, every situation is unique. All kids are different. And it just, and just the way you guys can, can, can talk about things and have differing opinions, but do it in such a respectful manner. And that's just really why I love, I was drawn to this, to this group. And, um, you know, and then we've talked, Dina, about, you know, sleep issues that we've had that we've been tackling for years and that we're actually seeing some progress on, um, really great progress on. So I'm really excited about that. And so, yeah, um, that's just kind of how I got here today. So uh, as far as, you know, coming on the call, I, I don't mind being vulnerable. Clearly, I've shown that before. Um, and, um, you know, hopefully if it, you know, if, if we can, if someone else out there, if just one person out there can identify with what we're going through and it helps them, I, I'm, I'm all for it. And I'm, I'm. I'm glad to be here. That's so great. And we were talking actually before we recorded, Kira can attest, where we were saying one of the things we really appreciate about Tony is his is his self-awareness and his willingness to look at where might I be contributing as the parent? Because here's the thing, Kira and I can talk with our clients and talk to you listeners and we can help with strategies and techniques, but we cannot teach self-awareness. So it's a really helpful trait to have to be that willing participant to lean in and look at your own contributions. I mean, wouldn't you agree, Kira? Oh, absolutely. In fact, I was so glad that you said it, Tony. And it's just something I agree, something we love about you. And I just think it's so cool, especially when we see dads being willing to be in this position, because I feel like oftentimes it's mom leading the charge. And it's so refreshing to see dads that are like, no, no, I, I need to I need to look at this, too. And I think that's just fantastic. So, yep, I agree. Well, I, I, well, good. We're all in agreement. Hooray. I love that. It's a good way to start. <laughs> it is. So, so Tony, we talked about at the top of the show that we're going to, we're going to be discussing tantrums. And of course we'll make that broader for the listeners, but since we want to also help you specifically today, since you were so willing and kind to come on and do some coaching work with us, could you tell us what's actually happening in your house and, and what you're seeing? What does the manifestation of a tantrum look like in your home so that we can also talk through the specifics? Sure. So I guess first I'll say that I've, I, I understand like what is happening, right? So essentially there's a, there's a, there's a control issue here, right? So my youngest, she will, whenever she wants something, right. And assuming it's usually a lack of attention, right. For whatever that is. And she will decide she wants it. And usually she will come after it from a negative perspective. And unfortunately, right, I would give in to her by losing my temper with her. And so as we progress and I try to back off and keep my cool, that actually makes her angrier because as I understand it, I'm taking that power back from her, right? She's, she wants to control my emotions to get that power fixed. And I'm taking that from her. And she's actually said, when we've done like, um, for lack of a better term, I call them postmortems, right? After the fight and after everything's calmed down, we talk about it. And she actually says, I don't like when you're nice to me because I'm just used to you yelling at me, which as a dad crushed me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's true, right? I mean, she's being honest and I'm and I understand where I falter. And so, but what happens is is as I stay calm and I take that power back from her, she starts to get physical. Um, 
you know, first she's yelling and screaming. And then when that doesn't work, she starts to escalate. And that's where I struggle is she's eight years old, right? So it's not like I can easily restrain her. She's, she's, she's fairly strong, especially when she's just seeing red and she's off the rails. So, you know, when she's screaming, I can handle that, right? I can ignore that. I've done pretty good at that. But when she gets physical, that's where I struggle. Okay. I know I can't talk to her in the moment because she's irrational and she's completely lost her cool. But how do I ride through that wave, keeping her protected and myself protected and the rest of my family until she's calmed down? And then we can deal with, you know, the after effects of whatever that looks like. Thank you for the emphasis on keeping everybody safe during that escalation, because that is a really central piece. And I know Kira's going to have a great, some great questions for you too, but already some things are jumping out at me that are great general principles. So I'll just share those because while they could be helpful to you and your family, Tony, they might also be really universally helpful. And so one is thinking about just this generic way of looking at this kind of behavior. And there's really two, and I share this with clients regularly, and it's I think it's helpful so they know they're not boxed in to one way of thinking. So one way to approach any kind of tantruming behavior is to decide, you know what, in our family, this is okay. It's an okay way to express frustration or anger, but we need to put some context around it. So for instance, you know, that's okay, but you need to do it in your room. Or You're allowed to get angry and yell and be frustrated, but we're not going to do that in a public place. So if it happens in the store, we're going to step out and go to the car. So that's one way. Some families want to say, you know, I want to leave room for that behavior, but I got to put some scaffolding around it. And for other families, they might want to say, you know, actually, we want to teach a different response to when a child, say, doesn't get their way, for example, or when they're upset. And so we're actually going to say the tantruming behavior in itself is not okay. And then when we see it, we need to set up some parameters for whether we're levying consequences or working with positive reinforcement when it doesn't happen and all of that. So I just want to say first and foremost to all of you listening that that's really that can be really helpful to decide in advance in your family. And if you're in it, maybe decide now. Maybe it's time to make a course correction and say, hey, we need to decide. Like, are we okay with the tantrums, but they need some parameters or are we just not okay? And then we need to look at that. So that's one thought that jump to mind. And then a second one, and you hit on it, Tony, so I appreciate it. Just want to reiterate it, that safety really is paramount. And so we want to emphasize, and I, and I, I think Kira would echo this, that we're just going to say we would never encourage getting in any kind of physical battle with your child. And Tony, I know you're not doing that. Um, just because A, there's going to be a point where you can't do that. Like you mentioned, Tony, once they're older, you're literally, there, there's definitely situations where you're no longer even able to manually get them to comply, right? But also just because that's not the goal of instruction. If you're really instructing your child and teaching them some skills, then we want them to be able to respond to your instruction and to what's happening without being physically restrained in some way. So thanks for mentioning that. I just wanted to highlight it because safety is important. And and Kira and I aren't big fans of the idea of battles anyway, but particularly physical ones. So thanks yeah. for mentioning that. I have questions, which is shocking, I'm sure, to all of our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> what? <laughs> Kira has a question? I have a question. Um, I have two, and then I'm guessing I'm going to have a follow-up depending on how you answer these. So my first question is, can you just share if you're comfortable a little bit about what you mean by she gets physical. Does she get physical with you? Does she get physical with, you know, the walls, the door, um, herself? Like, can you give us just a little bit more info on that? 
Sure. Um, it's been all of the above. So this most recent one, which and have actually happened, I think, the day before I emailed Dina about a topic. Um, you know, first she came in, I was sitting in my desk chair and she was grabbing and pulling in my chair, trying to turn me around to her, right? She was pulling and then she kind of would start, like, she starts kind of nudging into me, like either with her leg or her body, just kind of, and then it gets, and then it, eventually she starts grabbing and pulling. Um, and then at one point I actually got her to um, leave the room and then she started banging on the door, right? Um, she started kicking the door, hitting the door. Um, I closed it because I was just like, I need time, right? Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And she was just ramming her shoulder into the door, yanking on the handle. I mean, she really gets, and then if my wife intervenes, you know, God help her. Um, she will really go after my wife. <laughs> it's, oh, it's really no. weird. It's like, I, I, I'm mad at dad, but nobody else get involved with me because this is, you know, don't, and don't. And so that's really where it's frustrating because I start waving the white flag to my wife and she can see it like, okay, this is really out of hand now. I really need to help. And then it usually just, it almost makes it worse because then the aggression from my daughter really turns more on my wife. And then I feel like, no, 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 you shouldn't be doing that because this is my problem. And then it just gets in this weird and and I just, again, I, I don't want to get into physical with her. And again, she's eight, you know, so again, during that moment, it's how do I, you know, I don't say how to stop it because again, it, I mean, obviously I'd love to just snap my fingers and she stops, but it's not going to happen. Right. And I understand the more I keep my calm, it's going to get worse before it gets better because that's not what she's used to. And that's not what she's after. She's no, no, no. I'm supposed to be getting manipulating your emotions, not the other way around. That's what I've allowed her to do. And so now I'm trying to stop it. And again, I know it's going to get worse before it gets better, before she realizes, all right, he's really not going to get mad at me anymore. Right. But riding that wave. <laughs> so, okay, this is great because it leads me to my second question, which is what tools for calming down does she have? Like, you know, it, 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 are there tools in her toolbox? Have you guys shared things with her to help her calm down in those moments? Are you encouraging her to use those tools? Like, it's really helpful for me to get a sense because I think – one of the things I see a lot with families is the recognition that the child needs to calm down, but no, not necessarily giving the kid the, the tools that they need to do that. And if the children don't have those tools, it becomes impossible for them to calm down because they're like, okay, even they know they need to calm down, but they're kind of at a loss as to how to do that. And it sounds like part of actually how she calms down is through the physical release of her emotions, which is actually really normal for some people. They actually have to get bigger before they can get smaller. Um, so I'm kind of curious what's in her toolbox that you're aware of. Yeah. So we've told her, right. Uh, and that's something we realized early on is that we had spent enough time telling them what they can't do, but not what they could do. Right. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. we told her, you know, you can punch a pillow, you can stomp your feet. If you want to tear up paper, you know, you know, basically you're not allowed to destroy, you're not allowed to harm others or yourself or destroy property. That's kind of like what we told her, but we've, we've, we've drawn, we've made like poster boards with pictures of like a, you know, a pillow and paper and we've gone over it with her and she seems to understand. But then in the moment when she sees red, her mind just goes blank. And if I try to remind her, then it's almost like it even escalates her even further. So I do feel like probably a lot more repetition, which is where we falter a lot, at least in our family, is repeating and constantly reminding because we don't want to get into that. You're just being annoying, Dad, you know. But at the same time, you know, I think that's probably one area where we need to keep reminding her. But it's hard for me because I don't want to make it seem like I'm expecting her to get mad all the time. You know, like, okay, it's Monday and uh, if you get mad today, here's what you do, right? I don't want to sound like I'm right. hating that from her. But once she's off the rails, it's too late. So where's that sweet spot where I can remind her... You know, because obviously I don't want to give her a freebie and go, okay, after your next one, we're going to talk about this because I don't want her to, 
I'm not going to give her a freebie, right? This can't happen. But, you know, I mean, where is that? How do I remind her in such a way that it doesn't sound like I'm expecting it out of her? And does she does she go zero to 60? Or do you think there's, is there a moment where you can almost see what's coming that maybe is that sweet spot? Um, it used to be, but at least as of late, it's been kind of zero to 60. Um, in fact, I don't know if you, hopefully you just didn't hear them, but clearly there, there's an altercation right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, yeah, this last one, it was pretty much zero to 60. Like, I mean, I kind of knew what it was coming. Like she did something and I was like, oh, I know where this is headed. Um, and I did at that point, I didn't think about reminding her. I just, I, I tried to diffuse cause I kind of knew where she was headed and it just didn't work. She just, you know. But she had just gotten into an altercation with her sister. So I think she was already kind of revved up. Yeah, I think so. I My follow up thought to that, and then I want to kick it over to Dina, because I know she has some really, some really good, like double sided ways to approach this. I think that for some kids and adults, because I'm one of them, <laughs> I go zero to 60 really fast. And I've learned about myself that like I, I kind of I'm one of those people I have to get bigger before I get smaller. And so I think that there it might even be worth considering how do you actually help her go bigger and get it out and create. And it sounds like you've done an amazing job of giving her here's the ways you can express yourself. And here, are, you know, and, and it sounds like she's having a lot of trouble in the moment accessing that because she's already flooding and it's, you know, it's all over. And I almost feel like if you can embrace like this is this is who she is. She's one of those people who gets bigger before she gets smaller. How do we safely get her into a spot where she can just release knowing that on the other side of that, you can actually have that conversation? Because for a child like that, if she turns into an adult like that, developing those skills early is going to be really important for her. How do I, you know, just like for me, recognizing, oh, here I am. Okay, I'm going to blow. I got to go deal with that in a way that's healthy and safe for my family, for me, in a way that's productive. You know, so oftentimes I will do something physical like jumping jacks or, you know, like punching the air, (laughs) kickboxing, you know, that kind of thing. But the earlier she can sort of own what works for her, the better off she's going to be in that in that long run as well. So that's sort of the first thing that comes to my mind. But Dina, I know you have thoughts on that too. Yeah, but I think that's an important starting point. I mean, she might be one of those kiddos who needs the punching bag in her bedroom or somewhere where there's an actual physical outlet. And parents can even enter into that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Tony with you saying, oh, it looks like you really need to let off some steam. Let's do that. Like in in making that not seem so negative. Like, let's lean into that some. Like, all right, let's go find your punching bag. Let's do this. Like, let's get it. Let's get it out. And that's great because you did mention earlier, which I think is such an important thing, and I don't think you're alone in it, so I'm glad you said it, is that many kids, and it sounds like she's included here, actually become resistant to the suggestion of the tools in the moment. It's like, don't talk to me about how I could be handling this better. I'm mad right now. (laughs) So, so I think, I think that's really a a key thing that you hit on. So many parents probably face that exact same thing. It's like, well, when I do mention the tools in the toolbox, they're actually more mad about that. And so letting the tools be the things that actually will really feed like, okay, I I need to work out an aggressive feeling and letting the parents be the one who are like, yeah, let's, let's facilitate that I think is so powerful. So I think that can be a really helpful approach when the parents lean into that and make that really positive. Like, oh yeah, let's help you let off some steam in an appropriate way. Yeah. And always with the goal to ultimately get calm. 
right? It's like Absolutely. get it up and out and the goal and letting the kiddo know the goal here is to get calm, but you actually might have to do this in order to get calm. So a really helpful way to sometimes think about this is that there really are two sides to the same coin when dealing with tantruming behavior of any kind, whether it is only verbal or whether it escalates to physical. And what's great is actually these work well in tandem. So you don't have to separate the two. They're not mutually exclusive. Some families will lean more heavily on one side of the coin than the other, which isn't necessarily wrong, but they do work great together. And that is looking at when we're talking about those tools that Kira brought up, which are essential, the child having that tool belt available where they can draw from. And and really what we're looking at here then is positively reinforcing when those tools are used. And in a minute, I, I want Kira to give a really great tangible example of a way to do that. And then also looking at how could we levy some consequences when the tools aren't used? So in thinking about a tantrum, especially with an older child, which I do think is trickier, I wanna, I wanna really validate that, Tony, this, that is trickier. Looking at, okay, if we've decided this behavior isn't okay, what can we levy? What's maybe important to the child? We, we talk all the time about those currency consequences. Maybe it's screen time. Maybe it's friend time. You know, Maybe it's that extra late bedtime or whatever it might be. Levying that in the moment so that we can remind the child, hey, we're seeing, I'm seeing this behavior and I love that you're working on staying calm. Parents, that is a work in progress for so many of us. But if we stay calm and don't escalate and are able to say, okay, here's what I'm seeing and lean in again. If you've got the one who needs to explode first, lean into that. Like, let's go punch a bag. But if it's not working toward, like Kira said, coming back to how do we get calming down, then it is okay. Especially if in your family, you've decided we're not okay with the tantrums, then it's okay. Then we talk through the consequences. You know what? You're still continuing this after we've done the things that are usually helpful. And so I'm going to need to fill in the blank, you know, take away iPad time, or you're not going to get that extra TV show tonight. And then if they continue, that consequence goes up a level. Okay. This is still continuing. Now we have to look at Maybe we don't get our show tomorrow either. You know, whatever it might be, you can level up from there. But the flip side is actually critically important because, again, especially for children, we want to keep away from everything only feeling punitive. We want to also get to the positive of the virtue we're trying to encourage, which in this case is how do I mitigate my emotions in a way that's appropriate and get back to the place of being calm. And so when we see that, we want to reward it. So something like, wow, I loved that today, instead of slamming into my office door, you went into your room and punched your punching bag. I want to give you 15 minutes extra of iPad time or whatever it might be to really incentivize doing this the right way, that we want to catch her doing it the way that you've walked through together. And she probably will need walked through it a few times. I can appreciate that you mentioned that consistency can also be an issue here. And I think those of you listening, parents, we all know that that can be a struggle. We might find a plan that we we feel really could work great. And then what we notice is it's actually us not always implementing it. So keeping in mind that consistency is key, doing this over and over. But I do really think you can look at both sides of the coin here and saying, hey, you did that really well. Let's incentivize that. And when we're not using those tools, there may be absolute room for a consequence in that case. 
So Kira, jump in because I know you have a great example of the incentivization piece, but also you may have additional thoughts. Yeah, I think, you know, so I love that she has a toolbox. It sounds like you guys have done such a good job with that. And so especially because she's eight, I do think it's appropriate to expect an eight-year-old who has a great toolbox to use their toolbox. Very different with three or four-year-old, you know, where it's like, actually, we're still learning how to use those tools and we're little. But when you have an eight-year-old who cognitively understands, I have this toolbox, it's meant to help calm me down. If they're actively choosing not to use it, that's sort of to me where the first problem is. And so taking kind of what Dina said, I I would agree. And I think if there's a way to start with that, like, here's what we're going to do. Every time that you get upset and I say, hey, we need to use some tools, let's go do X, Y, or Z. And you come with me to do X, Y, or Z. I'm going to put a puffball. You know, I love puffballs and, and jars, right, Tony? I'm going to put a puffball in the jar, and that's an extra minute of, you know, screen time. Or when you get 20 puffballs, you get an extra show or whatever. It, it can be whatever you want. But the first step is getting her to start to work the muscle of using the tools in the moment. Because what happens is the more that they do that, the more they recognize that that works. And it feels better. And even though they have to get over the initial hump of using the tool, they're going to do that faster and faster and faster the more that they experience the, the benefit of feeling better once they use the tool. So I think if you can start with that, and, and you, I, I would recommend, and I know Dina would too, like sit down, have a chat, be like, hey, kiddo, there's some stuff that's not working and we want to make it work. We, want, we really want to support you. We want to make sure that you're you know, processing your feelings in a way that's good for you but also healthy for our family. And so we wanted to start by helping you learn to use those tools. We know you have them. So from now on, when I say, I need you to use your tools here, let's go do X. And you agree, I'm going to put a puffball in the jar. If she resists and is unwilling to use the tools, that's, I think, when we kick into the consequence side. Because at that point, it's like she's been given the opportunity to use the tools. She has a toolbox full of tools. There's an incentive for using the tools. And if she's still not using it, then we're sort of left having to move to that consequence side. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, and and we've, you know, we've done the consequences with her when she's getting physical. Because, you know, I think, Dina, we talked about this once, you know, like we there was a physical issue between the kids, right? They would hit when they were mad and obviously they year old with us. And we told her, okay, anybody hits anybody, that's, you know, the consequence was X. And that worked great for a while. And then it became, well, I don't care anymore. And I was like, well, sounds like it needs to be increased. So we would increase it. And then that hurt for a little bit. And then it was, I don't care. You know, then it was, I don't care anymore. And so I kind of got to the point of, okay, I'm just, and even when in the moment when she's getting physical, I'm like, okay, you just lost x and then she hits again oh you just hit again there's another x and it's just then it's then she gets even more mad like no give it back and then you know what i'm saying like it's just weird of okay i'm telling you what you're going to lose and then it's making you so mad that you're losing it that now you're in turn getting even more physical because you're mad at me taking that from you and that's where i'm trying to be okay at some point we have to stop this <laughs> like i'm not gonna allow you to hit me i'm not gonna hit you back because that's a wrong message right i'm gonna treat hitting with hitting very confusing signal. But at the same time, and what she really hates from me is validation. She hates that, right? Because <laughs> when I'm like, yeah, I can see your mad. Stop. You know, she yeah. just gets, because again, she's, that's not what she's after. She's after me losing my cool and she wants that power hit. And so I understand taking it from her is going to cause her to get really upset. And that's really where I'm after is I can handle the after effect, right? I can get, we can give her the consequence. But again, once she's, you know, if, if I can't, if I can't get in front of it and now we're in the middle of it, now what? 
there's a an element here of riding that wave and and riding the bigger wave, which is it's going to take her a while to recognize she can't get you. Yep. And you have to be willing to do that because she used to be able to get you. It worked. And if you're going to make that course correction, which is exactly right, it's she's going to keep pushing that boundary going, can I get you now? Can I get you now? Can I get you now? And for you to consistently show up and say, nope, 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 you can't. It, eventually, she's going to catch on that it's not working, but that is going to take some time on your part. Um, and I and I also think the because it, it sounds like again you've done a great job around the consequences. Adding in the other piece of not only is there something that kind of comes that's yucky if you behave this way, but if you choose the right thing, I'm going to reward that. Right. Um, that's going to really fuel. It's kind of like if I go on a diet and. I don't lose any weight. I'm going to stop dieting, right? <laughs> right. But if I go on a diet and every week I'm losing weight, it's that positive reward of like when I choose to make a good choice, look what happens. I benefit from it. And so I think the adding in that piece combined with your consistent nope, 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 uh, you that 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 time is done. I think is going to really serve the situation. Mm-hmm. And I think as as we kind of come to a close here, there's a couple just generic talking points I want to make sure we hit. And one that Tony mentioned, and then Kira, you reiterated, which is so important. And that is sometimes children will escalate a tantrum when it's no longer getting the desired response. And so Tony, when she was so used to being able to get that angry reaction from you, and now she can't, it actually makes some sense that she's going to up the ante to see if, well, what about now? Can I go back to getting that response. So that's important for you parents out there to keep in mind that you probably will see this actually get worse at first once you're calm and have a plan in place because they're going to wonder, okay, well then what if I try this and kind of push the line. But the other the other piece of this that is a good just kind of thing to think about is coming back to what Kira said about the timing and the work. So this is a twofold thing to keep in mind. The timing of offering the tool and the incentive has to be right at the beginning of this. So what I love is, Tony, you're you're doing a great job of understanding how to keep yourself calm now and how to leverage consequences appropriately. So now all it really is is adding right at the front end, okay, I see you getting upset. Let's go do fill in the blank and pulling out one of those tools and maybe even going along with her to do it at least at first, but then also reminding, and if we do that, something positive happens. So that needs to happen at the front end of the tantrum. And I just wanted our listeners to hear that. You want to get right at the top of that behavior. Here are the tools. Let's use them. Thinking through that framework again of like the I do it, we do it. This is the we do it part. You may have to come alongside at first, but it has to happen at the beginning. And even while that's still maybe escalating, but before it's 10 minutes in, because then you're probably too late to reel it in with an incentive. And then the second piece, besides the timing that Kira highlighted, and I just want to point out again, is the work on the part of the parents. We want to be honest and frank, as we always are, and really candid with you, with you, Tony, and your family, and what you're dealing with, but with with everyone, that there is work involved on the consistency side, doing this over and over, but also that there's work involved in continuing to not let yourself escalate, continuing to offer the tool, continuing to remind about the incentive, continuing to be strong on the consequences. I mean, look at this. I've already made a list of like four or five things. So there is work on the part of the parent, and we just never want to present this idea that it's like, oh, it's going to be super easy. Here's the three-step plan to stop the tantrums forever. <laughs> like it's it's going to be a, a, more of a marathon, less of a sprint. So 
So I just wanted to highlight those things because you both mentioned them and they're so good and I didn't want them to get glossed over. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, I mean, unfortunately, it just sounds like initially if it doesn't initially when it doesn't work, I'm going to have to just ride the wave with her. And then afterwards, right, is when we when she's calm is when we talk about what didn't go right. And then if a consequence is needed, we enforce it. And then which I was kind of afraid of was going to be the answer that we just have to kind of, you know, we have to again, let her, you know, try to stop her as best I can, or at least restrict her, you know, from hurting anybody else or herself. Um, and then, you know, again, just, you know, like you said, just be consistent. And I just have to remember that, you know, like I said, it'll get worse before it gets better. And, and I just need it as long as I keep calm and, and, and do the things you would mention, it should, it should get better with time. Yeah. I think time is really, really key. And I also think as best you can when you're riding that wave, and I just want to honor that this is really hard, what I'm about to suggest, because when a child is behaving that way, at least for me, it makes me want to retreat, right? I'm like, oh, and like, you know, just, uh, um, but I think the more that you can send a message whilst that's happening, while you're riding that wave, like, I love you. I cannot wait to connect with you when you're calm. I cannot, you know, I'm here. If I can help you, please let me know. Sending that message over and over is a really good way to couple that so that you also feel as the parent, because sometimes it can feel really disheartening as the parent, you're helpless. You feel like I'm just riding this wave. I'm not even, I'm I'm not even being a good parent. Like that's how I can feel sometimes when one of my kids does this. And I think it's really important if you are also saying those things that you're sending a message of love. I love you. I can see I, I can see that you just need to ride this wave. I'm here. I cannot wait to connect with you when you're calm so that she knows that you do want that connection and you do want to talk with her. You just can't do it while she's behaving this way. I think that that could help you almost as a mantra during that wave to not only ride it, but to know that just like you said, over time, as she gets older and as she figures out how to use those tools more and more, it, it will get better. Um, you, you just have to kind of keep going. And that's that's hard. That's really hard as a parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a lot of patience and a lot of letting her flex the muscle. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned retreating and that's usually what I end up doing is basically I end up trying to leave the house. I'm like, I go for a walk. I go calm down, you know, and, and, and my sister who's been, who's a life coach and been amazing support to me. She actually said, she's like, look at what that, look at the power she has, right? She drove you out of your house, right? And so I yep. need to just stand my ground and sit here. And usually I'll just sit here and look at her and like, I see you're upset. And then it just makes her even more irritated. And again, I'm okay with that until it gets physical. And then that's where I'm like, what do I do? <laughs> yeah. When I become like an animal who's just getting beat and you're going to fight back and I don't want to. And I've told her that before. I'm like, I really don't want to do this with you. I, I do love you. And I don't like getting mad at you. I don't like yelling at you. And, you know, and when we talk afterwards, she's like, yeah, I understand. Okay. You know, and then the cycle repeats. But again, where I falter is I don't, you know, do a good job of she goes zero to 60. I go zero to 60 right behind her. And it doesn't, that doesn't solve anything or help anything. Right. I need to be the adult in control of my emotions and and model well for her, which I had not done. So I think that's also part of the problem is I haven't modeled well, because again, she's got me to go to 60 just like she did. And so she's like, well, if this is what he's doing, this is what I'm going to do. And so I need to, you know, step that back and do a better job at that. So, you know, I appreciate it. And I think having a phrase that you repeat over and over again can be really helpful because it is really hard to stay calm and not go zero to 60, especially if that's your natural inclination, which I can, as I've said, it's definitely mine. And having a phrase that you just say over and over again, it gives you something to do. It's like, okay, I'm just going to keep saying, I love you. I can't wait to connect with you when you're calm. I love you. I'm here if you need some help. I can't wait to connect with you when you're calm. So that you can almost hold on to that and grip tightly to that to help yourself stay grounded. 
right? And 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 it also means you don't have to do anything else. You know, when you're dealing with <laughs> difficult people, and <laughs> I'm not saying your child's difficult, but there is something really powerful about you. You just say the same thing over and over again. You draw that boundary, and that's exactly what we're suggesting, right? Is you have to draw that boundary. This is not okay. You can't get physical with me. I can see you're really upset. I'm here. And I just, I'm just going to say it over and over again. If she doesn't like that, that's just too bad because you are the parent and you do get to be the one in charge. And as the person in charge, you are absolutely entitled to continue to draw that boundary. And that's really all you're doing with those words. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. Yeah. I'm taking notes here. So that's definitely one thing I'm going to <laughs> No. And what's great about that, that, that broken record approach almost, is you can also do that with the tool and incentive. Your broken record mantra can even be, I'm I'm still happy and available to go with you to your to, pi- to yeah. your pillow, to punch your pillow. I'm right here and available if you'd like to go punch your pillow. And I'd still love to put a puff ball in the jar for you if you do that. And and even if she makes a different choice and you have to talk about consequences later, in the meantime, in the moment, what you've done is reinforced, hey, I'm reminding you of some tools available and I'm willing to participate in the tools with you. And here's the great thing that will happen if you choose the tool. So that that can be really helpful too. You've got that broken record approach. You're staying calm, but you're also continuing to offer like, hey, here's one of the things we talked about that we could do and I'm happy to do that with you. And I'd love to put, you know, a mark on your chart for that or whatever the system is that you come up with. And that, that lets, lets her know too, that you're there, you're present, you're willing to help in the, be part of the solution and not part of the problem. But here's the other thing I love about that. It also starts to solve for you, the consistency piece, because just with your words, you're already going to be super consistent over and over and over, and it will become a habit that much faster if you're saying it repeatedly. So even adopting some of these things that might be new as that repeated phrase could be an extra little boost. No, that's good stuff. Yeah. I'm definitely going to, thankfully, as she's gotten older, these issues happen less and less, but you know, it's still important when they do that, 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 that makes us even more, I mean, it's like, you know, like, you know, you take your car to the mechanic, it's making this noise and then the mechanic doesn't hear anything. It's kind of like right now, like we were having this issue and then in a month or so between when we talked and scheduled this and now nothing's really happened. But um, I'm also aware that it will, it's likely going to happen again. And so it's even more important that I use these tools because I'm going to have less and less chances as, as she gets older, hopefully. Hopefully they will be fewer and farther between. And now, you know, it's good though, that you're mentally like, this is probably a when, not an if. So when it happens again, now you're really going in with this really well-formed plan. And I think that makes a difference too. So thank you again, Tony, for just being vulnerable and being willing to share what's going on in your house to hopefully help a lot of other parents. We really appreciate it. No, oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. This has been great. I appreciate it. Um, like I said, I love the work you guys do. And um, I, you know, I listen to your podcast and I really, um, I really just enjoy the work you guys do and I'm, I'm glad to support. Thank you, Tony. Thank you. That was great. Well, those of you listening today, Future Focused Parents, we really hope this has been helpful. We know tantrums are an issue that many, if not all, parents face. And hopefully, while your situation might look a little bit different from Tony's inexact manifestation, hopefully you got some principles and strategies and practical tips that you could use to help de-escalate that kind of behavior in your home and to give you some powerful tools as a parent for how you respond as well. We always look forward to bringing you this content and we welcome your input as well. So as always, we love if you'd connect with us over on our website, futurefocusedparenting.com. If you have questions or episode ideas, you can email us, info at futurefocusedparenting.com. And we'd love to have your likes and follows on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram 
at Future Focused Parenting. If you haven't yet, we also really invite you to subscribe to the podcast. That way you never miss an episode. You can be sure to always get to hear your parenting tips every single week. So thank you so much for being part of our family. We love helping you and we hope that this is helpful to you as you walk down your parenting journey. Raising Adults is produced by Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer and recorded partially in Kira's laundry room, today partially at Tony's house and partially in my office. Music by Seattle band Hannah Lee. Thanks for listening. <laughs>